the thing is, is we we think that Satan that that he wants us to be drug addicts, broken prostitutes, and the worst. You know, Satan would love to have us that way. But you know, the main thing that Satan tries to do with a religious person is just to make them religious and to make them dead and to make them unfruitful, right? Because if, if Satan can make us people that are that are unfruitful in the things of God, then he's then it's the same purpose. So many people are going to church. So many people are doing the religious thing, but they're not really serving God. They're not seeing. They're not living their lives to make His kingdom come on this earth. They're not living their lives to be a blessing to their neighbors, to be a blessing to their fellow believers. They're not living their lives to be filled with the Spirit of God so that they can be a part of transforming this world in, into the kingdom of God, but they're just living their lives just for themselves. And so many people go to church and they're living them li their lives for themselves. It's the same as if you're an unbeliever. It's the same as if you're lost because you are unfruitful in the things of God. The first thing that God created mankind for, the first thing he told man was go and be fruitful. And so God gives us his gifts. He gives us his Holy Spirit. He puts his, 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 his spirit in us so that we can be fruitful. We can have an impact in the world. We can make a difference in the world. You and I as believers were created for the sole purpose of making a difference. If we're not making a difference somewhere, we're doing something wrong. And we need to get to the heart of it and say, God, what is the problem here? What am I, what am I doing wrong? What am, what am I not doing? You know, and stuff. Because God has gifted every single one of us. He has put stuff within us. If we are born again, he has put the tools necessary in us to reach the world. And I'm not saying it might be a huge thing. I'm not saying that we're going to be the next Billy Graham or we're going to be the next um, Evan Roberts or what. He's probably living on the fence. But the thing is, is even if we're having small impacts in people's lives, you don't know what a huge impact that might make in someone's life, right? Say you speak a word to somebody that's having a problem and stuff, and they turn around and, and they get on fire for God and they start speaking words to everybody else. You have made a huge impact. And that's the thing is we, a lot of times, we're not satisfied unless we're doing some huge thing, unless we're doing some gigantic thing but God just wants us to be fruitful alright and that's again the reason why he created us that's his purpose for us the way the gospel works that's the way being fruitful works and that's just like you said in the very beginning God is not going to take someone's free will from them God is not going to force somebody to love him his gospel is free to all mankind for God so loved the world that means everybody in it. God's desire, God's will is that every single man, woman, and child on this earth be saved. But everything that God gives to mankind is, has to be received. God puts the gifts there. He puts the meat on your plate. He gives you the watermelon. He gives you the peach. Are you going to take it? Or are you going to say, eh, you know, that's not for me. So... Again, the turn to Second uh, Peter chapter one. Second Peter is right past Hebrews.
Yeah. It's it's yeah, it's, it's real close right after James. Oh, yes. Hebrews James first legacy. And so again, this is why we study the word, this is why we pray, this is why we do spiritual things. You know what happens? It's like the day that you don't go to church, that's the time that the preacher says the exact thing that you needed to hear. <laughs> you right? almost didn't go yesterday at all, yeah, actually. I blame you. <laughs> I go, you're going to church. <laughs> But that's the thing. That's the way it is. It's because, again, you have an enemy that wants to destroy you. Your enemy will say, you know, that church thing, it's not that important. Or, you know what, that Bible stuff, it's hard to understand. You don't really want to do that. Or, man, that praying thing, you know, you, you forgot to do your dishes. Or you got all these other things that are more important. Or this fellowshipping with other believers. Well, they're a bunch of nerds anyway. You don't really want to hang out with them and stuff. <laughs> So the enemy will come in and try to do everything he can do to, divide, to divert you. Mm -hmm. And again, he doesn't need to get you back to smoking crack. He doesn't need to get you to chasing prostitutes. He doesn't need to get you to, to um, you know, injecting drugs or whatever. If he can just get you to be unfruitful and not care about the things of God. Mm, that's good. If he can get you to where, you know, something else is more important. Oh, I forgot to pay my bills instead of reading the Bible and stuff. All these things he will do because he knows that these things are the things that will make you strong. Mm. Because God has called us to be warriors and to war against the powers and the kingdom of darkness. And not only to war against them, but to overcome. Mm. God has call, called us to be overcomers. Not to just barely get by, not to just win a victory here, win a victory there, and just get my butt kicked the rest of the time. But to overcome the enemy. Mm -hmm. God has called us to be mighty warriors. Everybody in this Bible that we read about and we got, man, that person is a warrior for God. God says, you can be that person also. And not only can you be that person, but you can be stronger than that person. Greater works can you do than that person. And that's why we read the Bible, because all these people in there, all the Moseses, all the Davids, all the, all the Samuels and stuff, God's saying, well, where are the Samuels now? Where are the Davids now? Where are the, where are the, where are the, where are the prophets now? Because we need them now. We are in a time when the church is in total darkness, where the church is, is caught up in, in just living in the broad way and doing the broad things and following the, the false shepherds and, and doing all and doing the religious thing but bearing no fruit. And God wants a generation of Davids. God wants a generation of Ezekiels. God wants a generation of Daniels to rise up and say, this is what the word of the Lord says. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. It says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Again, the apostles, their whole thing was that you know who he is. And again, it's not knowing about God because that's what religious people do. They know about God. Well, God's like this or God's like that. And some of it's true. Some of it's not true. With the, the writers, the apostles of the New, Test, the New Testament, their desire was that people know God as he is to know him not to know about him. He says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge, not through what your brother says, not through what your preacher says, but through the true knowledge, which is based in the word of God, the true knowledge 
of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these, his promises, he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature. Again, we are not just religious people. We are not just doing religious things, but we want to partake of his nature. I want to have the life of God flowing through me. Mm. I want to have the thoughts of God in my mind. I want to have the breath of God breathing through me. Yeah. We're partakers of His divine nature. We're no longer just this, this failure. We're no longer this bum shuffling through life. We're no longer this person that everything He turns to, everything that He tries to do is a complete and total failure. Now we are the partakers of His divine nature. Now I am no longer just human. I am no longer just Dean. I'm no longer just this person and all, you know, I, I can't do this, I can't do that. Now I am a partaker of his divine nature. He has made me something, there's, a, there's something of the supernatural in me. There is something of the supernatural in every person that's been born again by the Spirit of God. Now the responsibility for us is to find out what that is. There is supernatural in us. There is something that goes beyond this world. There is something that goes beyond what, what mortal man is able to do. We look at the scriptures and we look at the things that Jesus did. How he walked through walls. How he healed the sick and the lame and the blind and the deaf and all these things. And we're like, well, that's not me. But it is. And I don't know how it works. And I don't know how to lock into it. But I know it's there. And so it's our purpose to begin to dig and to begin to find and say, Lord, what is it? What is that divine nature? What is that divine part of you in me? And how do I get to it? How do I get it from the inside to the out? How do I get it to where it's affecting the world around me and affecting the people around me and touching people's lives? I don't want it to be dormant in me. I don't want it just to be, to, to be that seed that the bird comes and he snatches out. To be the seed that's sown on rocky ground and because it's, it's so rocky and so hard in my heart that it just dies. Mm, but I want, my, I want my heart to be fertilized, to be watered by the Holy Spirit. I want the Spirit of God to become the till in me and to dig up that hard, fallow ground mm. and to make it to where it's fertile and then make it to where it can incubate and it can be a, a, a place where that seed will begin to burst and begin life. And something comes out of me that I can't make happen. Something comes out of me that I didn't, that I didn't, you know, that I didn't plan, that I didn't. And, I, and I'm not saying that's going to be completely different because God created us in the way that we are, in the way that we think, the way that we do things. And so if God takes all that stuff and he redeems it and he says, I'm going to take you and I'm not going to make you like Billy Graham. I'm not going to make you like Keith Green. I'm not going to make you like Twyla Paris. I'm going to make you like the best you that you can possibly be. I'm going to make a you that's going to blow your own mind and everybody's minds around you because they're going to go, I knew that guy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I knew. I knew that guy. I went to school with that guy. That guy was a loser. And now there's, there's something different about him. I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it. I can't name what it is, but there's something different about that person. 
It's just like Jesus. Jesus did all these things and his, the people that were born in his hometown said, didn't we grow up with this guy? And now he's doing all these miracles? He's doing all these things? Didn't, don't we know his brothers and his sisters and stuff? Who is this guy? And people won't understand when the life of God begins to flow out of you because it's supernatural. It's different. It's, 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 it's divine. And it's, it's not us doing it. It's the life of God flowing through us. And that's all God wants from any of us. He wants us to be conduits that He can flow through, that He can, he can, he can pour out His Spirit through. You're in verse 5, I think. Or 4. Four. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises. I mean, just just let that roll over your mind. We just read the Bible and we're like, for by these he's granted his precious magnificent promises, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> let it roll over in your mind. He has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises. What does that mean? I don't know. The Bible says, no mind, no eye has seen, nor eye has heard the things that God is in store for those who love Him. We can't even comprehend the things that God has in store for us. And, and God sits there and he, he hovers by His Spirit over the church and He's longing and He's waiting and He's like, when is it going to happen? When am I going to see the fruit? When am I going to see these precious and magnificent promises begin to spark open? You know, it's like when you plant a seed. We, we planted that peach tree in our backyard. We took it and we planted it. And you're like, oh, I hope it grows. I hope it bears fruit. And, uh, it, you know, and stuff. And you sit there and you watch it and you wait for it and you long okay. for it because you want to taste one of those peaches. Mm -hmm. And you, want, you just want to experience it. And God is like that with us. He is like that with His church. He's like, oh, man, I'm hoping that someday these people that, that it's going to spark that 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 somehow that seed is going to is going to burst open and 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 that little shoot is going to shoot out and then all of a sudden like fruit starts growing and it's like where did this come from mm -hmm. i see that the like magnificent promises there's a lot of promises that say who will be like greater works than these or you know tell the mountain to be cast in the sea or, mm -hmm. you know those different things are can be seen as promises as well, mm -hmm. and so I think if you read it like we tap into those magnificent promises, we become partakers of the divine nature, mm -hmm. and so I kind of see that that belief and that faith mm -hmm. is part of that, and mm -hmm. you know, taking on the divine nature. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. just like he was talking about the scripture last night. If if you have faith, nothing will be impossible for you. You can say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and it will do it. And we read that, and we're like, I don't believe that. I mean, we don't say that, but in our hearts, we don't believe it. We're like, there's no way I could say to this mountain, be cast into the sea. You know? But the thing is, and, and again, we don't start with the mountain. We start with the rocks. And we move from the rock to the mountain, molehill. We move from the molehill to the hill. You know, it's the progression. You face the lion, you face the bear, then you face the giant, and then you go from bigger things after that, you know? Well, there's a story, I think it was Amy Carmichael, that there's a, literally a mountain like in her way, and she really needed it going. When she was, was in the mission trouble. field? Yeah, yeah, it was trouble to get around the mountain and go over the mountain and all, and so she just prayed it would be gone, and the next day there was like 
tons of bulldozers all over, like knocking it down. That's so awesome. I decided that I need to be God. Too. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, it's, it's yeah. just funny, but you know, if God, if the mountain doesn't need to be moved, I mean, God's not going to just move right. every mountain. Just yeah, because, he because we said so. Yeah. That it, it needs to come from Him. Has to be the will of God. That that needs to be done. Right. That that that's what He's telling you to do. So right. If He's yeah. not telling you to walk on the water, you better not go right. yeah. and try walking on the water. Yeah. yeah. If it's not His will. Right. Yeah. So. Right. right. And that's in the thing about that too is is it right. might not have might not have happened the way she expected it to happen. Yeah, she right. may have expected it literally to fly up in the air and you know and stuff like that but it doesn't matter if God's got bulldozers out there who cares how it happens she prayed for it and it happened mm -hmm. and so and that's the thing too is like it's like if it's not God's will then we can just be tempting God it's like the snake charmers and stuff these people in in Arkansas and places like that that you know they take the scripture that like if you're filled with the spirit you know you can lift up poisonous snakes and they can bite you and it won't hurt you and you can drink poison and it won't bother you and, and all these scriptures and they're like well okay well let's go find some rattlesnakes and, and try it <laughs> that's not what that scripture is about that scripture is not telling you just to go find some rattlesnakes and let them bite you and God's going to heal you from that that scripture is about if it happens if you need God when you need them um, back to verse 5 Second Peter 1 5 yeah he says, now for this reason also, again, we don't just take it for granted. And, and here's the thing. Most of us as believers, we, we wait for like all hell to break through in our lives. Then we start praying. Then we start seeking God. Then we start searching scriptures out and stuff like that. The thing is, is if you are in the military and you wait until you are being attacked to start learning how to use your weapon, you are going to die. No army, no military in this world waits until they're attacked, waits until they're being overran by the enemy to start to use, learn how to use their weapons and how to, how, to, how to begin to fight against the enemy. So in verse 5 he says, Now for this very reason also, applying all diligence, not just, being, not a, just a little diligence, not just a little bit of, you know, I'm going to fight against it a little bit. He says, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence knowledge, how do we get knowledge? Through the Word of God. And in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. Look at this. For if these qualities are yours, he doesn't stop there. He says, if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful. Remember what we were talking about? The enemy wants us to be unfruitful, right? Part of us, the reason with us as believers, we reach a certain point and then we stop because we're satisfied. Wow, I'm really, I am really good with God this today. You know, I'm just going to stop right here. I'm going to camp out. And stuff, and that is the nature. The nature of Christianity is if you are not going forward, you are going backwards. That's all there is to it. We have tried many times in our Christian walk just to coast. Lord, we're just going to coast. We're just going to coast. And like three months later, you look up around your life and you're like, what has happened to me? I am, I am 
getting your garden is overrun with weeds yeah and exactly and you know and that's why it says in the song of solomon catch the little foxes because it's the little foxes that destroy the vine we're all concentrating on the giants and the and the huge things and the wolves and the coyotes and the things like that but it's the little foxes that we're not watching that comes in it's like dandelions in your yard if you let one dandelion go pretty soon you're going to have a yard full of dandelions Right? If you let one bed of fire ants goes, I can tell you from personal experience, pretty soon your yard is going to be inundated by fire ants. And these are all pictures. God has given us nature to see how things work in the spirit. Yeah. And God is saying, if you don't deal with things, they will overrun you. And that's the thing with the spirit is we have to, we have to be continually growing in the things of God. And, and it's not like I have to do this. It's an invitation from the Lord. Because as we are continually growing, we're, it's not like I'm just getting more Bible knowledge under my, my belt. It's not like I'm, I'm singing more praise songs. I'm, I'm, um, I'm learning more songs, worship songs, and stuff like that. It's like through all of this, I am knowing Him more. And I am partaking more and more of the divine nature of God. And that's the whole thing again, is that we're growing more and more closer and closer to him every day. We're becoming more and more like him, his nature. It's just like you see two friends or a married couple or whatever that finish each other's sentences, right? It's like somebody is saying something and someone will finish their sentence. Why is that? It's because they know that person so well that they have become like them. Uh, it's like... It's like you, you watch a southern person that's moved to the north, and they've lived in the north for a long time, and now they're saying you guys and all these things, and they're talking like northern people or whatever. They can come back to their family that lives in the south, and within five minutes they'll be talking like them again. Mm -hmm. They'll be saying, y'all, and mm -hmm. we're going to eat porcupines and, you know, and stuff like that and stuff. And that's the way it is, because you become like the people that you are with, right? The people, and it's, you don't become like people that you're by. You become like people that you admire. You're intimately with. You become like people that you are acquainted with. You become like people that you are intimate with. People that you that you that you love and that you look up to and that you admire. They begin to rub off on you. Isn't that why we become friends with certain people? We look at them and we're like, man, there's something about this person that I really like. And so you become friends with them, and all of a sudden now you're talking like them, and you, you, you say sometimes you tell jokes like them, or you get certain mannerisms. Well, that's the way that God, that's the way that we are to be with God. And we are to come to the point in our lives where we are so much like Him that people look at our lives and they're saying, there's something like God in that person. And that's the purpose, to become more and more and more like him. Paul wanted to become more like him that he said, even if I die, it's for my benefit. So that I can be with him, so that I can be so close to him, that, I, that death is nothing to me. That I'm not afraid of death, I don't care about death. As a matter of fact, I long for it. And it's not that he had a death wish. It's not that he was suicidal. It was none of that at all. Matter of fact, he's like, if I'm fruitful, I'm fruitful for your benefits. And, uh, you know, if God wants me to be here, then, you know, fine. But I long to be with him. And that is so foreign to most of us because we're so attached to this world. And there's so, there's so many allurements of this world. And we like this world. And we like the things of this world. And we and we're like, to be dead? To be with him? Ooh. I don't want that. And Paul was like, man, it's, I, I want to be with him. 
I want to be in his presence. And hopefully at some point we all can come to that place because that's where we're going to be, hopefully. You know, it's like so many people, it's like, uh, you know, people that don't want to worship God, people that don't want to that don't want to know about Him, people that don't want to be in His presence, people that don't want to pray, people that don't want to do all this. Well, what do you think you're going to be doing for all of eternity? And if I look at my life and I say, "Man, I don't want to be with God. I don't want to. I don't want to spend time in prayer with Him. I don't want to worship Him. I don't want to. I don't want to be studying His Word to see what He's like and stuff." I have to examine my heart and say, am I really going to be with him in eternity? Because this is a barometer of whether I love him or whether I don't love him. And it's not what we say, because many will cast out demons in his name, many will heal the sick, many will say, Lord, Lord. And he's going to say, I don't, I don't know who you are. And so these are all barometers. Paul said, test yourself to see if you're in the faith. To see with whether the walk that we have is genuine, whether it's real, or whether it's a sham. Because I, we don't want to talk. We don't want to be, we all know people that, that talk the talk. But we want to be a people that walk the walk. People that talk the talk are a dime a dozen. There are multitudes, there are millions. The broad way is filled with people that talk the talk. But it is a rare thing. It is a jewel before the Lord. It is something precious in the eyes of God. It's something that, that he longs for, to see the people that walk, and that want to walk, and want to be different, and want to be like him, and want to be transformed, want to be changed, and want to be so close to him that whether death, whether you're living, whether dying, it doesn't matter as long as I'm with him. And that's what he's that's what's what it's all about. If we're not in it for that, we're in it for the wrong reasons. If we're not understanding that, we have not understood. And that's what the Spirit of God is saying, and that's what this book is all about. This book is all about I don't care what you say. I don't care what you look like. I don't care if your neighbors think that of you as something. I don't care if your mom thinks that you're something or your dad thinks that you're something. What I care is what's inside of here. And the problem with us as believers is most of us have it up here, but it never, this, uh, this, this 12 inches from here to here is the longest 12 inches in, in, in all of creation because we're filled, we're filled to overflowing up in here. But then you get down to here and it's like, where's it at? Where's the beef? You know? Second Timothy chapter four. Can we finish reading where you were reading, or may oh, I? Was I not may I finish? Yeah. Now, for this very reason, also applying all diligence in your faith, supply more excellent. Oh, you got pretty far down. In your brotherly kindness, and your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind and short-sighted having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be abundantly supplied to, supplied to you. Mm -hmm.
awesome. Turn to uh, Luke chapter 14. And that's why, like with Marvin, with, with you know, because we have, we have adopted this formula in the church. Where all we do is like, well, you know, all you got to do to follow Jesus is just pray after me. And we make it sound so easy. We make it sound like, you know, all you got to do is pray this prayer and you're good. I wonder how many people have prayed the sinner's prayer that, that, that have not come into that relationship with the Lord. Back in the days with Charles, of Charles Finney um, and, and people like that, they would not pray the sinner's prayer with people. And he led hundreds of thousands of people to the Lord. But they would just he, they would tell people that like he would he would preach the word and people would be in a massive conviction people would be holding on to the legs of their chairs for fear that they would slide into hell and he wouldn't pray for them he would pray with them and stuff and he'd say man you've got to come to that relationship with the lord yourself and Sometimes I wonder if we do it all wrong. A person has to make the connection for themselves. And the problem with us as believers is a lot of times we're trying to make that connection for them. Here, let me plug this in for you. Here, let me, let me plug this into the outlet here for you and stuff. Instead of you have got to take this plug that you've got, you've got to plug it into the outlet, and you have to plug into the Lord yourself. Because I cannot do it for you. And that's the thing. Every single person has to do it for themselves. Nobody can have a relationship with Jesus for somebody else. And that's the problem a lot of times with our children and stuff is our children are coasting on our, our relationship with Jesus and they're, they're just following what we've done all of our lives and they have never developed that relationship for themselves and stuff. And then they get through college or they get through high school and they're like, they're they fall away because they never had that for themselves. All they did was they saw the Jesus that my mom knows, or they saw the Jesus that my dad knows, or they saw the Jesus that my brother or my sister knows. And that's the way a lot of people are. They, what, what, what a lot of people do and what a lot of church people are doing is they are following the Jesus that somebody else is following. They're following the Jesus that their pastor knows. They're following the Jesus that somebody else knows. And it's not having any kind of impact in their lives. It hasn't changed them. It hasn't transformed them. It hasn't done anything to them but just painted and whitewashed the outside. And until we take our plug and plug it into Jesus and say, I want to know you. I want to know you. I want to be changed. I want to be transformed. I want to be forgiven of my sins, which are many. And I don't deserve your grace. I don't deserve your forgiveness. But I ask you to come and wash me and cleanse me. And not only forgive me, but to change my heart. To make me a new creature. To make me someone that doesn't want to live that way anymore. But wants to live for you because I don't want to live for you. I want to live for myself. I want to do my own thing. I want to serve myself, please myself, make myself happy. But I want you to change me and I give myself to you. I give my heart to you to make it what you want it to be. Amen. Nobody can do that for anybody. I don't <clears throat> care how many prayers you pray for somebody. And we can pray for a person. And God wants us to pray for a person. But they have to make that connection. It is their faith in the Lord Jesus that will save them. It is their repentance. It is their 
coming to him and humbling themselves and coming to know him. And so when I lead someone to the Lord, I don't just tell them, you know, you come and you say this prayer, everything's going to be perfect because I don't know. I don't know their hearts. I don't know if they're sincere. I don't know if they aren't sincere. They look sincere. But I want to hear it out of your mouth. I want to hear you renounce your sins. I want, you, I want to hear you ask for Jesus to come into your heart. I want to hear you do it with your mouth. The Bible says that um, with the mouth, the heart confesses. And, and, and with, with the mind they believe or whatever and stuff and all that. But a man has to do it for himself. A woman has to do it for themselves. And again, we as a church are doing it for them. And we're saying, all you got to do is pray this prayer, brother. All you got to do is come to Jesus. He's going to make you happy. He's going to make you wealthy. He's going to make you, he's going to meet all your needs. He's going to do all your stuff. We've been talking so much lately. All the worship songs, not all the worship songs, a lot of the worship songs that we hear these more, these days anymore, it's about, oh, how he loves me, how he loves me, how he loves me. Well, what about how much you love him? Yeah. You know, a lot of the old hymns, a lot of the old songs are about, oh, I love you. Mm -hmm. Oh, I want to lay my life down for you. Oh, I want to give it all on the altar. I want to sacrifice for you. I want, to, I want you. Now, so many of the worship songs is, oh, he just loves me, loves me, loves me. Oh, he's just there for me. He just wants to bless me. He just wants to give me everything. He wants to do everything for me. God is our Father. And he loves us, but he is not going to just give you everything that you want. He's not going to say, here's a brand new Corvette. Go do what you want to with it. He's going to say, as a loving father, I will guide you. I will direct you. I will chastise you. I will punish you when need be. But I'm here because I love you. And because I love you, I want you to be all that you can be. I don't want you to be this spoiled brat that the world wants nothing to do with, that can't change anything, that bears no fruit, but I want you to be a responsible adult, growing, maturing uh, in the things of God, getting, getting, getting more and more and more like Jesus. And the more you get like me, the more you grow in the things of God, the more you will have an effect on everybody around you. Amen. And so when I talk to somebody about the Lord, I always read them this scripture in, in verse 25, Luke 14, verse 25. Look at this in verse 25. It says, now large crowds were going along with him, him being Jesus. And he turned and said to them. Now, a preacher today would say, wow, you guys are great. All you got to do is sign the church membership. All you got to do is tithe. All you got to do is be there on Sunday mornings, Easter's Sunday or Easter's Christmas and stuff, every once in a while bring somebody with you and you'd be great. Look what Jesus says. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, does Jesus want us to hate people? Obviously not. He's talking about in comparison. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot, cannot, cannot be my disciple. Look at this in verse 28. For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who observe it begin to ridicule him, saying, this man to begin to build and was not able to finish. Now, what is he talking about? He's talking about salvation. Yeah. He's talking about relationship with him. Yeah. He's not talking about building a house. Yeah. 
And so he's saying, if you're going to follow me, let me let you know from the beginning, you need to count the cost. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard. And if you don't count the cost, and if you don't make up your mind that come hell or high water, come demons, come Satan, come hell, come whatever at your life, if you're not making up your mind now, you will not make it because it's the house that's built on the rock that will stand when the storms come. And if you're built on this wishy-washy sand and like I think I follow Jesus today and stuff, unless it gets difficult, unless it gets hard, you will not stand. Your house will fall and great will be that fall. Verse 31, or what king, when he sets out to meet another king in battle, will not first sit down and consider whether he is strong enough with 10,000 men to encounter the one coming against him with 20,000? Or else when the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. How many times are we following the Lord, but then it gets difficult and the enemy says, you sure you want to fight this fight? Because I've kicked your butt before, right? And we're like, oh, you know what? Maybe I don't want to fight this fight. Maybe it's too hard. God's called you to ministry. And you're like, well, I know as soon as I step into that, all hell's going to break into my life. God's called you to follow him. Well, if I do that, my, my sister's going to make fun of me. God's called you to follow him. Well, I'm going to lose my friends. You know, I used to, <laughs> we used to have these things when, with, the, with the people that I used to smoke pot with and stuff. We're all like, stoners are the best friends ever. A stoner, people turn against each other all the time, but a stoner will never do, now a stoner will never turn against another stoner. Stoners have these special bonds and these special contacts. Yeah, until that guy gets caught by the cops, and now all of a sudden he's given everybody's name that he's ever known before so he can get out of jail, and then pretty soon you're going to jail for him. <laughs> verse 14, it says, verse 33, so then none of you, none of you, can be my disciple who does not give up all his own possessions. And that doesn't mean that you have to take everything that you have and sell it and give it away. Now, if God calls you to do that, you do. then you do. Or if you know, if say you got five cars and you got a brother that can't get to work. You better give what do you do? Car. You give him your car. <laughs> if it's winter time and you got six jackets and somebody's freezing to death, you give him your jacket, right? Mm -hmm. And so he says, he's saying that you have to be willing to lay down your precious things. You have to be willing to lay down the things that matter to you, whether it's your time. Some of us don't want to give up our time. And time is the hard thing for me, mm -hmm. right? Because I, I get up at 3 o'clock in the morning to go to work. And so time is very difficult. But sometimes God, like you got a brother that's suffering. you got a sister that's in need and that needs to be ministered. And God's saying, what are you going to do? You're going to give up your time. You're going to give up a little sleep. Mm -hmm. Or you're going to say, forget it. I felt really bad the other day because I was driving down 380. At the end of 380, before the tollway, they got on both sides. They got the, like those concrete dividers on this side. And on this side, they had barrels, just barrel, barrel, barrel of the, those big orange barrels. And, and like, so I'm going down to 380, going to work and stuff. And right at the last minute, I see this barrel in the middle of the road. And I just swerve and go around it. And... So I look in my rear view and there's these other cars coming up behind me. And so I'm like, well, I can't really stop because if I stop, they're going to run over me and stuff. And, and it's like, so basically I just kind of went to work and the barrel stayed in the, in, the, in the street. And I feel really bad about that because I'm like, what if somebody hits that and, and it, you know, it messes up their car or even worse, they get, they get hurt or they, or they even die and stuff. And it's like. Well, you know, and, and the voice of the enemy goes, well, you got to go to work, right? 
and you got to be on time. And I believe in being on time. I, I hate being late for things. But, you know, where I work, I can be late three times before I get written up. And so I could have turned around, made a U-turn. I would have had to go like two miles down the road, make another U-turn and come back up, come and stop and move that barrel. But instead, I chose to go to work. And see, and that's how it works. You have the Spirit of God saying, don't you want to move that? But then you have the voice of reason, which many times can be Satan saying, <laughs> you know what? You're going to be late to work. You need to get to work. And so because I cared more about myself in that, that, that moment, who knows? Now, maybe nothing happened, but potentially somebody could have gotten hurt. Somebody could have died because I didn't want to stop my car and get that barrel. It was, a, it, was a, it was an inconvenience for me. You know, it's like the, it's like the, 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 the good Samaritan. Yeah. You know, this, this guy is on the road to Jericho and he gets beaten and left for dead. I mean, for a person to be left for dead, it means they're beaten pretty bad. And so, and so these people pass him on the road. First of all, it's a priest. Oh, well, I can't touch this man because I'll be unclean. And then it's a, a, a scribe, and it's like, I can't touch this guy. And, stuff. and then the one that helps him out is an unclean Samaritan. Someone that, that, by, that would not have relationships with this man because the man whom he's helping would think that he's unclean because the Samaritans were unclean to the Jews the Jews looked down their noses at the Samaritans and they're like, they, they wouldn't even speak to him. They wouldn't be around him. They would have no dealings with him at all. They would have said, get away from me. But this person stopped and helped this person that he knew would have hated his guts. And the other people were just inconvenienced. And that's the thing is we are, you know, a lot of our inconveniences are moments and opportunities for us to be fruitful. But we don't do it because it's inconvenient, because we're thinking of ourselves. We're thinking of our of me, my thing, my time, my my this. God wants us to be fruitful in this world. And again, it might be those little things. It might be there's a beer bottle in the street. If someone runs over that, it's gonna give them a flat tire. Why not just get the bottle out of the street, right? Is that what you listed somewhere? I was going to think of that verse. He who knows to do good but does not do it is folly and shame to him. Yeah. I mean, I've passed things in the street before, and then sometimes I'll turn around to get it. There is safety issues in getting it, though. Right. So there's a couple of times that, like, if there's nowhere safe to park, because if something happens and the car's swerving and there's no shoulder and your car is right where they need to get. Yeah. So you do need to try to park ahead of it. Yeah, <laughs> and put your flashers on, and you know, try to be safe because right. otherwise your pedestrian is going to get slapped or that yeah. thing may go flying. And, and I mean, all this does have to be considered, you know, and stuff. And you know, I have to consider that I have a wife and kids and stuff like that. So, you know, I'm just more more than anything, I'm just using that as an example. And it, it's obviously not a thing of condemnation. It's like it's not a thing of like, you know, you should be stopping every time there's something in the room. It's not any of that at all. I'm just saying that there are times when the Lord speaks to us and it's that still small voice. And it's like, eh, you know, I'd like to help that person, but you know, you know what I'm saying? And that's the thing that there's, 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 
the more. Sometimes we, we wonder why we don't hear the Lord, and a lot of times it's because every time He speaks to us, we're like, nah, I got something else going on. Or, no, I got something more important. Or, no, I don't want to read the Bible right now because that's boring. Or, I don't want to pray because I'll fall asleep. Or, I don't want to, you know, worship. Or, I don't want to do, you know, blah, 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 and stuff. And, and soon, the Holy Spirit, see, that's the thing. This The Holy Spirit comes to us and says, why don't you study your Bible right now? And he comes back later and says, why don't you study your Bible like that? Yeah, I don't want to. I want to watch TV. So. And he comes back and watch the same Bible. No, no, no. And he's like, no. And then pretty soon, he's not saying anything anymore. And we're wondering, why does the Lord not speak to me? And that's what happens. That's the whole thing about when we sit on the bench and we sit on the pew and we're not going to follow him anymore. We're not going to do the things of God. We don't want to do it because it's too hot. It pays too much a price. It's too hard on my flesh. I don't want to pay that price no more. People bite and devour and, and you try to help people and they hate you in return and stuff like that. And then it's like, why don't I hear the voice of the Lord anymore? And God is always speaking. God is always trying to get us to do things. And... and, and you know, God just, again, uh, we need to become like Paul. And the Lord has been so clearly speaking to us. Paul said, rejoice at all times in the Spirit. And we, we know the story of, like, Paul and, uh, and Silas were preaching the Word, and they were beaten, and they were thrown into prison. And at midnight, it says they started worshiping the Lord. They started singing songs unto the Lord. And then an angel came, and he, he, set, he set them free. And I'm like, well, if I got beaten and thrown to prison, I would be going, God, why are you doing this to me? Why do you hate me? Right? Why, why are you trying to ruin my life? And that's what we do. And we wonder why we don't experience the power of God because we're feeling sorry for ourselves. And if we're feeling sorry for ourselves, how's God going to feel sorry for us? Because we're too busy. We're in this way. God, leave me alone. I'm trying to feel sorry for myself. And God wants a people who are overcomers. He wants a people that can sing and worship Him and not grumble, not complain, not get into... Woe is me. The woe is me. Not get into the why is it me. Mm -hmm. And all these things. God wants a people who like... And that's the thing about Paul. No matter what he experienced, every single thing... And I don't think Paul was this mighty man. There, there are some... According to traditions, some people think that Paul was like maybe five foot tall. Maybe he was a hunchback. Maybe he had eye deformities and stuff and, and all these things. And I think that maybe he did. You know, because we, we, we think in our minds that Paul was this mighty man, you know, good looking and great voice and, you know, six foot four and, you know, just powerful and stuff like that. I think that all the mighty people that were used by God, for the most part, in the Bible were weak, were were dorky looking, we're nerdy looking, however you want to say it, and stuff, and God used these people. Like even Samson. You know, all the movies that you see about Samson, he's like Schwarzenegger all muscled up and this just handsome, good looking person and stuff, and so the Philistines come and he just wipes them out and stuff. The Bible says that Samson didn't do anything on his own. It said, all the times when it talks about how, how God, God used Samson to do all these mighty things, it says that the Spirit of God came upon him, and then he did these things. I think Samson was probably this shrimpy, little, nerdy-looking guy that everybody would have looked at and gone, Psh, who is this guy? And stuff. But then the Spirit of God came on him, and he just he blew people's minds. 
and stuff. And so it comes down to our attitudes and it comes down to not getting discouraged. And the only thing is, again, just like we talked about earlier, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And if we can tap into the joy of the Lord rather than the woe is me and why is this happening and stuff like that, if we can tap into those things, we too can be like Paul and we can go from glory to glory to glory to glory and from strength to strength to strength to strength. And we can get stronger and stronger and stronger. The reason why we don't is because we go backwards because we start feeling sorry for ourselves. And just like the Israelites, there's, there's so much that we, we could go through. I, I wanted to talk about the Jews and the, the Israelites in the Old Testament and how they continually grumbled and complained. Every time God would bring something to their lives, they would grumble and complain about it. Oh, we have it better in Egypt. We could have lived in Egypt. We had it so good. Well, in Egypt, they were crying out to the Lord in their bondage. God, save us. Set us free from our slavery. And so God does it. And then they grumble and complain about every single thing that God does. And how many times are we as believers the same way? And God wants us to become to where we can worship him. We can praise him. We can give thanks and we can be filled with the Holy Spirit and the joy of the Lord no matter what is coming against our life. No matter if everything is falling apart, no matter if the bills are unpaid, no matter if our kids hate us, no matter if what's going on, our car breaks down, no matter if we get fired from work, no matter what happens in our lives. God wants us to tap into His Spirit and begin to worship Him and say, Lord, whatever happens, I'm just going to worship you. I'm going to praise you and I'm going to go from glory to glory and strength to strength and I'm not going to get discouraged. The whole thing about encouragement, the word encourage means to put strength, to put courage into something. Discourage means to take courage, to take strength away from something. Right? That's That was the sin of the Old Testament spies. Whenever they were going to go into the land of Egypt, they sent out 12 spies. Ten of them came back and said, man, there's giants in the land. There is no way we can go and take this land. Two people, um, Joshua and Caleb, said, let's do it. The Lord has called us to do it. We can do this by the strength of the Lord, by the th stuff that God has given us. We can overcome this. Those two people were the only two people of all those millions of people that entered into the promised land. And it started with their attitude. It started because they would not allow circumstances to discourage them but they encouraged themselves in the Lord and they found strength in the Lord. And no matter what situation they were going through, no matter what trial, no matter what hardship, they were going to press on. They were not going to look back. They were not going to turn to the right or to the left. They were going to set their face like flint and they were going to follow the Lord through every trial, through every situation, no matter how hot, no matter how hard, no matter how difficult. And that's why they became who they were. And that's why God... And that's how God wants us to become who he has called us to be. Amen? So...